Welcome to Quantum Magazine Science Podcast. Each week, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. This week, a new study used MRI machines to study babies' brains. Rebecca Sachs's first son was just a month old when he had his first MRI brain scan. Sachs, a cognitive scientist at MIT, went in for the scan with Arthur. She laid on her stomach, her face near his diaper, and soothed him as the three-Tesla magnet whirred around them. Arthur was unfazed and promptly fell asleep. All parents wonder what's going on inside their baby's mind, but not many have a way to find out. When Sachs got pregnant, she'd already been working with colleagues for years to come up with a way to study brain activity in babies. But her September 2013 due date opened a short window of opportunity. Researchers like Sachs have used functional MRI to study brain activity in adults and children for decades. But fMRI requires subjects to lie perfectly still or the image becomes blurred. The few fMRI studies done on babies mostly focused on playing sounds to them while they slept. But Sachs wanted to understand how babies see the world when they're awake. She wanted to image Arthur's brain as he looked at video clips, the kind of thing that adult research subjects do easily. This gets at an even bigger question. Do babies' brains work like miniature versions of adult brains, or are they completely different? Sachs says she had this fundamental question about how brains develop, and then she had a baby with a developing brain. Two things of great importance to her converged. Here's Sachs speaking with reporter Courtney Humphreys. Because I was on maternity leave, I yeah. was hanging out with him. Yeah. So what we did is we hung out in the MRI machine and tried to figure out how his brain worked. Lots of the time, you get nothing, right? Like, so yeah, maybe we came 20 days, but some of those days he didn't feel like it, or he fell asleep, or he was fussy, or he pooped in the middle, or, you know. um, It's uh, getting good data from a baby's brain is a very rare occurrence. Yeah. Between sessions, Sachs and her colleagues pored over their data. They tweaked their experiments and searched for a pattern in Arthur's brain activity. They got their first usable result when Arthur was four months old. A paper published in Nature Communications reports more than two years of work of image brain activity in Arthur and eight other babies. They found some surprising similarities in how baby and adult brains respond to visual information as well as some interesting differences. Sachs hopes the study is a first step in a broader effort to understand the earliest beginnings of the mind. Functional MRI may be the most powerful tool scientists have to study brain activity short of opening up someone's skull. The machine detects changes in blood flow in areas of the brain that are more active than others. The technique has generated some criticism because it's an indirect measure of brain activity. The simple images it produces rely on behind-the-scenes statistical manipulation. But fMRI has opened up new avenues of research by giving scientists what Sachs calls a moving map of the human brain. It has revealed in detail how different parts of the brain choreograph their activity depending on what a person is doing, perceiving, or thinking. Some areas of the cortex also seem to be purpose-specific. Nancy Canwisher is a neuroscientist at MIT and Sachs's former advisor. She discovered an area which responds to images of faces more than any other visual input. Canwisher's lab also led the discovery of the region which preferentially responds to scenes depicting places. When she was a graduate student in Canwisher's lab, Sachs discovered an area of the brain devoted to theory of mind, meaning thinking about what other people are 
thinking. Several labs since then have identified regions of the brain involved in social judgments and decision-making. Sachs gets most animated by philosophical and deeply fundamental questions about the brain. For her, the next obvious question is, how did the brain's organization develop? And have our brains evolved to have special areas devoted to the things most important to our survival? Here's Sachs again. So for me, seeing in adults these incredibly rich and abstract functions in your brain, right, morality, theory of mind, it just raises the question, how does that get there? Okay. And... I mean, doesn't it? Don't you think it just obviously yeah, does, right? Yeah. Like, you're like, wait, ha- we have theory of mind-brain regions? How right. did that happen? Yeah. Sachs wants to know, were we born with a multi-purpose learning machinery that could learn whatever organization of the world it was given to discover? Do we enter the world with an innate blueprint for devoting parts of our brains to faces, for instance? Or do we develop a specialized face area after months or years of seeing so many people around us? The basic structural organization of the human brain could be similar from person to person, she says, because the world is similar from person to person or its outlines could be there from birth. Studying infants has always required creative techniques. Charles Nelson, a cognitive neuroscientist who studies child development, says it's been an interesting problem because you're dealing with a nonverbal organism trying to figure out what's going on inside her head. Similar techniques are often used to study non-human primates or children with disabilities who are not verbal. Nelson says researchers have a class of covert measures that allow them to peek inside their minds. The simplest is watching their behavior and noting where they look. Another is to measure their brain activity. Electroencephalography, or EEG, simply requires attaching a cap of electrodes and wires to a baby's head to detect brainwaves. A newer technique called near-infrared spectroscopy, or NIRS, sends light through babies' thin, soft skulls to detect changes in blood flow in the brain. Both methods reveal how brain activity changes moment to moment, but NIRS only reaches the outer layers of the brain, and EEG can't show exactly which brain areas are active. Ben Dean, first author of the Nature Communications paper, says that to study detailed spatial organization and get deeper brain regions, you have to use the fMRI. Other methods have hinted that babies respond differently to visual inputs of different categories, particularly faces. Michelle Dehan, a developmental neuroscientist, says faces are a very important part of the environment. In the first few weeks of life, an infant's eyes focus best on objects around the distance of a nursing mother's face. Some researchers believe babies may have a deep-seated mechanism that directs their eyes to look at faces. There's evidence that young infants will look longer at faces than other things. A baby's response to faces also becomes more specialized over time and with experience. For instance, adults have a harder time telling two faces apart when they're upside down. Babies under four months of age don't have this bias. They can tell between two upside-down faces as easily as two right-side-up ones. After about four months, though, they develop a bias for right-side-up faces. Around six months of age, infants who see faces produce an EEG signature of activity that is similar to that of adults who see faces. 
This research suggests that babies might have some specialization in their brain for certain categories like faces, but Dean says they knew very little about where those signals come from. Sachs and her colleagues got data from nine of the 17 babies they scanned. The researchers presented the babies with movies of faces, natural scenes, human bodies, and objects. They also showed them scrambled scenes where parts of the image were jumbled. Sachs says they focused on faces versus scenes because the two stimuli create a sharp difference in adult brains, prompting activity in very different regions. Surprisingly, they found a similar pattern in babies. Sachs says every region they knew about in adults with a preference for faces or scenes has the same preference in four to six-month-olds. She says that shows that the cortex is already starting to have a bias in its function rather than being totally undifferentiated. Are babies born with this ability? Dean says we can't strictly say that anything is innate, but we can say it develops very early. And Sachs points out that the responses extended beyond the visual cortex. The researchers also found differences in the frontal cortex, an area of the brain involved in emotions, values, and self-representation. Seeing frontal cortex engagement in a baby is exciting, she says, because it's thought to be one of the last spots that fully develop. Sachs's team found that similar areas of the brain were active in babies and adults. They did not find evidence that infants have areas specialized for one particular input, like faces or scenes over all others. Charles Nelson, who was not involved in the study, says it suggests that infant brains are more multipurpose and that it points out a fundamental difference in the infant brain versus the adult brain. It's surprising that babies' brains behave like adult brains at all considering how different they look, compared to MRI scans of adult brains in which different brain structures are clearly visible, babies' brains look dark. Babies at this stage have not yet fully developed the fatty insulation around the nerve fibers that make up the brain's white matter, a yoke of nerve fibers connecting the two hemispheres of the brain called the corpus callosum is only dimly visible. At this age, a baby's brain is expanding. The cerebral cortex swells by 88% in the first year of life. Its cells are also reorganizing themselves and rapidly forming new connections to one another. Many of these will get cut back throughout childhood and adolescence. At this stage, the brain is astonishingly flexible. Babies recover remarkably well when they have strokes or seizures that require surgically removing half of the brain. But there are also limits to this flexibility. Babies who experience deprivation or abuse may have lifelong learning deficits. Studying how healthy human brains develop can help scientists understand why this process sometimes goes off course. It's known that many children and adults with autism have difficulties with social cognition tasks, such as interpreting faces. Are these differences present at the earliest stages of the brain's development, or do they emerge out of a child's experience? We're only beginning to understand how babies' brains are organized. It will require many more hours collecting data from a larger number of babies to have a fuller picture of how their brains work. But Sachs and her colleagues have shown that such a study can be done, which opens up new areas of investigation. For more on this story, read Courtney Humphrey's full article, Infant Brains Reveal How the Mind Gets Built, on our website. I'm Karen Chakurji. If you like what you've heard, please take a minute to review this podcast in iTunes. For news, interviews, graphics, and more, visit quantummagazine.org.